0: Hello, my friends. Today, I marvel at a Hollywood liberal icon, John Stewart, the comedian, uh, basically ranting for 10 minutes last night about the Wuhan Institute of Virology and mocking anyone who thinks that the virus was naturally occurring. It was quite something, and I try and figure out what it means that what was once regarded as a conspiracy theory that would get you cancelled is now spoken by the most establishment of Democrats. I have some thoughts on that. Um, Before I get to that, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our video version of these podcasts. It's eight bucks a month, 80 bucks for the whole year. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. I'd really appreciate it because it's how we pay our bills around here because we sure don't take money from Justin Trudeau. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, America's late-night liberals are now mocking the Wuhan virus narrative. How far will they be allowed to go? It's June 15th, and this is The Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon hey, consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government, but why i is because it's my bloody right to do so. I think the lockdowns and the shutdowns and the quarantines and the harm done by politicians in the past 18 months rivals any war in terms of sheer devastation. Uh, This isn't a new idea or a conservative idea. Here's a liberal newspaper, The New York Times, a year ago, just a month into the crisis. um, That was when people were still open minded to what was happening and what the response should be. That's when some people still believed Two weeks to flatten the curve really meant that this would just be a quick bump in the road, not a permanent change in our lives. But there was just too much at stake for that naive possibility to happen. I mean, there are nine new pharmaceutical billionaires who each have about a billion reasons to keep the panic going. And the public health experts, none of whom any of us had even heard of before, but all of whom were immediately turned into celebrities with high priest-like secret knowledge, they had big plans too. Donald Trump looked unstoppable before the pandemic. The U.S. economy was booming. There were no wars in which Americans were dying. The pandemic was not only a reason to shut down the economy, but also the key excuse to change the voting rules mid-campaign. I'd have to do the math. I think proportionately the Black Death plague killed more people in the 14th century. The entire world's population back then was... Only about 400 million and, and up to 100 million died. There were plagues in other eras too, but I'm not talking about diseases or pandemics here. I'm talking about the man-made side. The comparison here would be more like world wars. If you believe the World Health Organization, then I don't recommend it. 3.8 million people have died in the entire world because of COVID-19. That's not good, but that's nowhere near the health calamities of the past And you have to be skeptical about those stats, how many numbers in the West are inflated because of how a COVID death is counted. In many places, including in Canada, it's anyone who dies who tested positive for the virus less than 30 days before they died. So you actually didn't die from the virus, you died and you had the virus. If you need an illustration of this, here's a PGA professional golfer having the best game of his life, leading by six strokes, being literally interrupted on the golf course and being told, He tested positive. He's too sick to continue. He didn't even know it. Wait, wait, not 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 again. again. So yeah, yeah, Western death stats are unreliable in that direction, and China claims it only had 4,600 deaths from the disease. I'm not sure if I would trust a word they say, but my whole point here is the pandemic was comparable to a bad flu season, but it's the man-made deaths that are staggering that really do rival the death hole of the Black Plague, not, not in the West, but around the world. Obviously, a lot of that is in poor countries, but look at this from Statistics Canada. Provisional death counts and excess mortality January to December 2020. What does that mean? It's every year, a certain number of people are born and a certain number of people die. And over time, we know what is normal. And over time, we hope to improve things a little bit better every year through better care, et cetera. So there's an expected number of deaths every year and every month, really. And excess mortality means how much worse were things in that period of time than was expected. Let me read. From January to mid-December 2020, There were an estimated 296,373 deaths in Canada, representing an excess of 13,798 deaths above and beyond what would have been expected had there been no pandemic. This is about 5% more deaths than expected in that period after accounting for changes in the population such as aging. All right, it's not good, but it's not the Black Plague. But look at this. StatsCan says that while some of that is attributable to COVID-19... A lot of those deaths, especially for young people, is the lockdown, the supposed cure. Let me read. The direct impacts of COVID-19 cannot fully account for the excess deaths observed in Canada in 2020, particularly in the fall. In the early months of the pandemic, the weekly number of excess deaths and deaths caused by COVID-19 were closely aligned and mostly affected older populations, suggesting that COVID-19 itself was driving excess mortality in Canada. However, more recently, the number of excess deaths has been higher than the number of deaths due to COVID-19. And these deaths are affecting younger populations, suggesting that other factors, including possible indirect impacts of the pandemic, are now at play. Translation, at the beginning, senior citizens died from COVID in long-term care facilities. At the end, it was young people dying from the lockdowns. Let me read. During the fall of 2020, Younger people became more heavily affected by excess deaths, as 35% of these deaths involved individuals under the age of 65, up from 14% in the spring. The number of deaths was 24% higher than expected for men aged under 45, followed by women aged 45 to 64, who recorded 14% more deaths than expected. By comparison, there were 6% more deaths than expected among those aged 85 and older during the fall period. As these shifts imply an increase in deaths not directly caused by COVID-19, it is important to note that some deaths may be due to the indirect consequences of the pandemic, which could include increases in mortality due to overdoses. For example, in British Columbia, the chief coroner's office has reported an increase in deaths due to overdoses since the start of the pandemic. Similarly, Alberta Health Services reported decreases in both the provision and use of substance use treatment programs, as well as increases in opioid-related emergency responses and deaths since the onset of the pandemic. Overdose deaths disproportionately affect younger men. For example, according to a report by Alberta Health between January 1 and January 30th, 79% of apparent unintentional fentanyl overdoses were among men, with those aged 25 to 39 recording the highest proportions of such deaths. That's all a careful way of saying the pandemic isn't actually killing a lot of people anymore. The lockdown is, drugs, suicide, young people in despair. That was 2020. And you know what we didn't measure in 2020 in Canada? Deaths from the vaccines. Again, don't blame coronavirus-19 for that. As you know, coronavirus kills old people. The lockdowns kills young people. How about vaccines? Well, the thing is, they're not done being tested yet, so we don't quite know. I've read to you before, and I'll read it now, every single vaccine that's being used on this virus is experimental. It's still being tested. None of them are yet approved. All of them are just authorized for emergency use, which helps you understand why the emergency will never be over because then the drugs can't be sold anymore. Here's Pfizer's warning. It's the same for all of them. The Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine has not been approved or licensed by the US Food and Drug Administration, but has been authorized for emergency use by FDA under emergency use authorization. That's from Pfizer's own website. So you can use it because we're in an emergency, but every week there's something that we learn from this giant experiment, treating ordinary people like guinea pigs. Here's the latest news. I mean, just, I pulled this out at random. It's from the Hill Times, sorry, the, from the Hill. CDC says vaccine linked to heart, heart inflammation is stronger than previously thought. Oh, you yeah, don't say just that, eh? Well, the risk, uh, of the virus to people under 40 is negligible. For people under 20, the risk of the virus is infinitesimally small, but what's this heart inflammation business from the vaccine? Myocarditis, is that the word? That's a new one. So young people are just dying from heart disease shortly after taking the vaccine. Oh, don't worry about it though, guys. Here's a CNN story published on CTV. You don't have to worry. Doctors explain myocarditis and why teens should still get a COVID-19 vaccine. The news about a potential link between the COVID-19 vaccine and a cardiac ailment in young people may be striking fear in the hearts of some parents, but pediatric cardiologists have a message for these parents. COVID-19 should scare you more, a whole lot more than the vaccine. Yeah, I'm sort of done being scared by the things the media tells me to be scared about and to ignore the things they tell me to ignore. Actually, I'm scared of the media itself and their handpicked big pharma spokes doctors. Hey, little people, take your Bill Gates jab. Come on, do it. Sure, the pandemic is statistically over, especially for young people. And we're trying to scare you about new variants, but you're not really listening to us. What can we do? I don't know. Maybe a lottery will get you in the spirit. Now your vaccine shot is also your shot at becoming a millionaire. The time is now.
1: Get your shots, and let's get Alberta open for a great summer.
0: Yeah, giving away millions of dollars to people in a lottery. Well, I guess there is a similarity to rolling the dice. How about we let people gamble with regular lotteries? So if they lose, they're just losing a dollar, not their health. I didn't know Alberta had so much spare change. Imagine that, a pandemic so terrifying that you need to tease poor people with a million-dollar payout to get a vaccine. I, I just keep coming back to this clip, though. Why don't the staff at the FDA and the CDC, Anthony Fauci's own staff, why are they refusing to get vaccinated? They know more than all of us. Okay, this, this question, uh, I'm gonna to go to Dr. Fauci, Dr. Marks, and Dr. Lewinsky. Um, what percentage of the employees in your institute, your center, or your agency of your employees Has been vaccinated.
1: You know, I'm not 100% sure, Senator,
0: but I think it's probably a little bit more than half, probably around 60%. It bothers me when adults are bribed and insulted and scared into taking the vaccine. But look, adults are adults. It's the kids that scare me. In Toronto a few weeks back, kids were being offered free ice cream, kids as young as 12 if they got the vaccine and no consent from adults was needed. Their parents weren't told or involved. So any kids could just get the vaccine on their own and an adult would be there to tell them it's all fine and you'll get a free ice cream cone. I wonder if uh, kids can pronounce myocarditis. That's so cute when kids mangle words. I want gaspetti instead of spaghetti. Wouldn't it be funny to hear kids say myocarditis? I don't think it'd be funny at all, but I don't think they were ever told about it, do you? I got an email just this morning from someone who says a school on the Eskasoni Indian Reserve in Nova Scotia is offering children a lottery ticket to kids. You can win a free video game console if you just get jabbed. I bet a lot of kids on that reserve would love a free video game console. Indian reserves are typically poor. I have no doubt that the local health authority is doing what they think is right. It's just a bit of a strange juxtaposition in my mind. We, we just went through a hurricane level media coverage of an Indian residential school in, in Kamloops. Um, these residential schools, they abused indigenous kids. They made choices for them and their family based on a paternalistic authoritarianism. And here we are trying to bribe aboriginal kids as young as 12 to get jabbed for a disease that is of no statistical risk to them. Look, it's bad news everywhere, but I, I, I saw something just shocking yesterday. I saw the most liberal, most snide, most glib, most cynical Hollywood leftist named John Stewart, who for more than a decade dominated the late night liberal political talk scene, exquisitely left wing. Actually, I think he made a $1 million donation to the Democrats. Um, Democrat all the way. I saw him on TV uh, last night back after a very long hiatus. And he just let it rip about the virus and how it's absurd to think it was natural and how it's absurd to put all your trust in science. I want to show you the whole thing, but for copyright reasons, I won't. But let me show you a three-minute supercut of John Stewart last night just letting her rip.
2: Do you mean like, oh, so perhaps a... there's a chance that this was created in a lab, there's an
1: investigation? A chance? Well, but so, I, 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 oh my if there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I just a know. N- novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. That's just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they ask those scientists, they're like, how did this, so wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, "Mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. Mm." And you're like, no, I, you, The name of your lab! If you look at the name, look at the name. Can I... Let me see your business card. Show me your business card. Oh, I work at the coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey, and then it sneezed into my chili and now we all have coronavirus. Like, come on. Okay, okay. What about second. this? What about this? Second. Listen to this. Wait a second. All right. John. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a s- steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the <laughs> chocolate factory. Maybe that's it. That could be. Saying it's like, a local a specialty, and it's the only place to find bats. You won't find bats no, anywhere No, it's like else? saying Oh, why? wait. Austin, Texas has thousands of them that fly out of a cave every night. Every night at dusk. Is there a, a coronavirus, in Austin coronavirus? No, it doesn't seem to be an Austin coronavirus. <laughs> the only coronavirus we have is in Wuhan. Yes. Where they have a lab called, what's the lab called again, Stephen? The Wuhan novel coronavirus lab.
0: You can say that now, I guess. For a year, if you said that, you'd be canceled, laughed at in the media party, fact-checked, called a kook, conspiracy theorist. On Facebook or YouTube, you would be deleted. That's just a fact. Um, Here are all the things you literally can be banned for, um, for saying about the virus on YouTube. Uh, But only about this virus. You can say anything about other diseases on YouTube, but not this one, or you'll be canceled. I'm not sure if they plan to cancel Jon Stewart. Maybe. I mean, he's big, but they tried to cancel J.K. Rowling, the creator of Harry Potter, for having the wrong point of view on transgenderism, too. I actually think Jon Stewart will be fine, though, because the main purpose has been achieved. China devastated the world's economy, especially America's. Donald Trump was removed from office. Big Pharma is bigger than ever, richer than ever. And you, little citizen, are more compliant than ever. So sure, let the clown in Hollywood tell a funny story about a lab far, far away, vent a little bit. You don't really think that's gonna stop you from, say, I don't know, having mandatory vaccine passports, do you? Yeah, let the clown tell jokes. That's right, stay with us more The conservatives aren't allowed to have any public intellectuals. It's not quite true. If someone's boring and highfalutin and has no chance to find purchase in the popular culture, they're tolerated in some obscure university platform. But if their ideas ever start to leak into the mainstream culture, they must be destroyed or canceled. I'd give you the case of Dr. Jordan Peterson of the University of Toronto, who is noteworthy in that he actually managed to survive the cancel culture, but he's one of the few, so few you can count them on one finger's hands. Today, we're talking with a very effective public intellectual who lives in the popular culture. I first met him in New York City about 20 years ago. Back then, he was writing scripts for the kids' cartoon series, Veggie Tales. He wrote the book Amazing Grace, the companion to the film of that same name. He runs Socrates in the City, which is basically bringing public intellectuals to speak to crowds of hundreds of people about subjects that would be forbidden in the woke culture of today. And of course, he has a very popular radio and video podcast. I'm talking about Eric Metaxas. So, the Eric Metaxas show, I've been a guest on his show once. And I was shocked to learn in recent days that he was just nuked, deleted, destroyed, at least in YouTube, by YouTube censors. Eric Metaxas joins us. Now, Eric, great to see you again. I'm glad to have you on my show. I've been on yours, a very, very popular show with a huge audience. I think that may be why YouTube just canceled you.
2: What do you think? I, There's no way to know. All I can say, uh, Ezra, is that I cannot shrink from speaking truth, particularly in times like this. The idea that we in the United States of America, which is where I am, are being told what we can and cannot say is not only preposterous, it's deeply offensive. When somebody tells me I can't say something, I need to scream it in their face because this is not the way to live in a free culture, to have people telling us what we can and cannot say. And YouTube, I mean, my goodness, I think of the show as a family show. I i, uh, I would never say anything uh, or uh, talk about anything that I don't think a nine-year-old could hear. And yet they, meaning YouTube, have somehow deemed what we talk about on the show as beyond the pale. So can you imagine I had on a a liberal, uh, Naomi Wolf. She is very liberal. Uh, She is a feminist. But she was talking about vaccine passports. Um, She believes in freedom. And so she was talking about vaccine passports. That was the last straw for them. They actually went back two months, found her interview, and cited it as evidence for why we are no longer going to be tolerated. Uh, in other words, we'd actually been p- playing patty cake with them and saying, okay, we won't post anything that offends you. So they went back two months to find something that offended them and used that against us. So we've been wiped off of YouTube. It's a huge financial hit to us. But if anybody thinks that I, who was raised by uh, working-class European immigrants who have tasted communism in their lives and taught me to despise it and to stand against it, um, if anybody thinks that I'm going to be quiet because YouTube did that, uh, I'm going to fight all the harder. I'm grieved for my country and for the West. But uh, look, some of these things have to happen for people to wake up. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of our viewers know
0: who you are, but I just want to say this. Uh, there are some reasons that I think people should be kicked off YouTube. There are some things that go too far. Incitement of violence, I think, would be an example of that. But I just for those who are unfamiliar with the Eric Metaxas show, it is so mainstream in terms of being PG rated. I mean, some of the guests you've had on from Dick Cabot to Peggy Noonan, you were the, you know, I know you spoke at the national prayer breakfast. Uh, I think you introduced Barack Obama. So you're not a fringe figure. That's what I'm trying to say. You're successful in the mainstream. If you were some way, way, way out there troublemaker, okay, fine. But I think the the fact that they came for you and they dug through your archive of old shows to find something, anything. I think that shows what they were on about. Let me ask you this. We've been demonetized by YouTube. We had a one-week suspension by YouTube, but we have not been fully canceled yet. I think that's coming. How did they do it to you? Did they just cancel you at all at once? Did they give you a Three strikes. Oh, no, three no, notes. no!
2: We had we had several strikes, several warnings, and so that's when we said, okay, uh, you know, we have to go along with their creepy Marxist community standards. So we would no longer post something that we thought would trigger them, uh, and so we wouldn't post anything on YouTube anymore that we thought would would trouble their delicate consciences, um, which again is ridiculous. But we were trying to to play along, uh, as ridiculous as it is. But they went backwards to find things. They did this to us before, before the absolute ban. They banned us for for two weeks, I think, because of a video conversation I was having with my friend John Smirak. Uh, That was months ago. They went back to find that. So they're probably working overtime. Listen, evidently they consider me a huge threat, and they should, because I got their number. And I think most right-thinking people... Have their number. They know we're living in strange times and we need to fight back. And if you do not fight back, folks, if you do not speak up, you have inadvertently become part of the problem. How big were you on YouTube? How many subscribers did you have? We had 220,000 subscribers, which for us, Uh, was huge. I mean, that had been growing and growing and growing and growing. Uh, A number of the strikes uh, knocked us backwards so that uh, we weren't growing as we had been. But we had been blowing up. And it's a a huge hit. Uh, As I say, it's a financial hit. So I hope people will go to my website, which is ericmetaxas.com and sign up for my newsletter because then we can send you the video since you can't, you're not going to bump into them on YouTube. We'll send them to you. Most of them are on Rumble, but please sign up at ericmetaxas.com because there's, there are fewer and fewer ways for us to communicate and we are uh, zealous to communicate the truth at a time when unfortunately it's being censored.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you're on Rumble and I think you're wise to ask people to give you their email addresses or mobile phone numbers directly. That way you're not reliant on a middleman. I mean, we have 1.5 million YouTube subscribers. I'm terrified that one day I'll simply be cut off from 1.5 million friends that we've been able to recruit over six years. I mean, that's it, point. Yeah, and if you don't hold your own data, I mean, that's how Amazon makes a go of it. You mentioned Rumble. I'm hopeful for some of these alternative platforms. There's even a couple more besides Rumble. How have you done there? We noticed that once we started putting videos up on Rumble, we actually got an enormous number of views there. and It made us think, well, maybe we were actually being throttled on YouTube the whole time, and we had this false consciousness that we were being treated equally when in fact being on YouTube was we were kidding ourselves they were de-boosting us down ranking us shadow banning us we're getting as many views on rumble with less than a hundred thousand subscribers than we get on youtube with 15 times as subscribers what's your experience That's, been?
2: That, that has not been uh, our experience i i think that a lot of the stuff that i do you you know that uh, as much as i will talk about politics and this kind of culture war stuff i will also have uh you know, very moderate, neutral kind of conversations with uh, celebrities or musicians or authors. We'll talk about history. Um, And a lot of the kind of stuff uh, that we were putting out there was not you know, typically conservative. It's just sort of g- general information. So we don't have that kind of a niche. And I think that, uh, it's just going to be more difficult for us, which is why I say to people, please go to ericmetaxas.com yeah. because there's all kinds of other information that we ca- we just, we don't have a way of getting it to you anymore.
0: All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to invite our team to embed some of your videos from the other platforms on our website. I know we've done that a couple of times before. Let me ask you one last question. I know you're so busy. You're so productive. I mean, if it's not your Socrates in the city, it's uh, it's books and you're still doing your show. Um, Something happened last night that startled me. I did my monologue on it today. John Stewart, who is the snidest, glibest, most cynical Hollywood liberal, totally in the tank for the Democrats came back on TV last night and he basically, and it was very funny by the way, I, I found him very funny. He was mocking anyone who doubted that the virus came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He, he, he just went full tilt um, making the case that this came from the Chinese government lab. And he was really mocking anyone who would dare disagree. And I watched that, it was actually the first time I found him funny in a while. It, they didn't cancel it. They put it to air. I was watching it on YouTube. So they haven't knocked it down yet. And I got to say, Eric, you tell me a, a month ago, I would have said, yikes, they're going to have their channel nixed for that. Um, do you think they're going to try and shut him up? Because he no. sounds like you and
2: me. At least on well, some issues. This is the point is that things have gotten so ridiculous, so over the top, that uh, John Lovitz, the, uh, the comedian from SNL some years ago, a lot of comedians uh, who are you know usually truth tellers, they're seeing how ridiculous it is. And so now and again, uh, the, I think, listen, I think many of the older school comedians, they see this stuff. They're disgusted. They might be liberal. Uh, probably they are liberal, but they're disgusted uh, with the cancel culture, with the idea you can't say this, you can't say that, be careful if you say this. You get. Th- I think they are fundamentally disgusted because many of them are old school liberals. They're not leftists. Right. And so God bless uh, John uh, uh, St- Stewart for, for speaking his mind, because I think anybody who has... Uh, is using reason and who has common sense is going to see many of the things that that you and I would see, but it takes a little bit more guts for somebody like that to speak up. But I think he understands he's got the bona fides he can do he can get away with it. Yeah. Thank God uh, for him being willing to do that. There are more out there, and he look he was on Colbert, which is yeah. as as anti-Trump, uh, yeah. anti most of what I believe in. Uh, as can be. so it's it's very interesting. things are are breaking differently.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, I, I'm rooting for you. I really enjoy your stuff. I think you are a very important public intellectual. And I, and I say that not as an insult, but in admiration. I think that ideas and culture is upstream from politics. And so the work you do, whether it's in Hollywood or kids' books or the speeches, the idea speeches that you host, they're so important. Folks, if you missed it, the website is Eric Metaxas. That's E R I C M E T A X as.com check it out sign up for his emails and we'll do a better job of embedding his stuff on our website too great to see you again uh it sounds like you haven't lost your fighting spirit that's the main thing keep it up and we look forward to seeing what you do next god bless you thank you for what you do ezra we love it well thanks very much there you have it eric metaxas folks stay with us more ahead back on my show last night, Matt writes, even in the most liberal court, I don't see any way being convicted because they were laughing. Do better, Dan McLean, do better. You know, I was just talking to the team today. I mean, that cop is going to be the key witness, I would imagine, uh, against David Menzies. He's the one who wrote up the report. He's the one who put it all together. And, And he spent 15 minutes talking with me about the case, explaining the theory of the case, arguing with me about the case. Um, How can he now go on the stand uh, unless he has a... I mean, just from contradictory statements alone, from showing his motives and his excuses alone. I think he bungled it. I was, frankly, a little surprised he talked to me. Uh, But he did. There you have it. Justin writes, I would have picked the two cops who threatened to tase Ocean Weisblatt as the worst in the country. I see what you mean, and... In another show, I categorized Calgary's cops as, I think, the meanest. I think that's what I said. Violent Toronto, corrupt Montreal, dumb Aylmer. I think I said Calgary's cops are the meanest. The way they go after those pastors, the way they went after Ocean Weisblatt, and just pure unprofessional, threatening to tase him and and swearing at him. Just unbelievable. There are terrible police across this country. And that's why I started my show yesterday, with five minutes on the best of police, because we've got to keep reminding ourselves, because I I don't want to become one of these anti leftists, these defund the cops leftists. I want to keep remembering the best about police and that that's what police were and could be and should be again. It is not a natural place for me to be anti-cop, but because the civil liberties crisis we're in has so overwhelmed my mind, it's when I see a cop now, my first thought is, oh, great, is he going to come after me because I'm not wearing a mask? Oh, great, is he going to come ask for, after me and not even know the law he's applying against me? I, that is the, the feedback I have when I, when I, the mental feedback I have when I see a cop in the wild. And that's not a good place to be. Hopefully in time we can get back to where we're supposed to be. That's the show for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, see you at home. Good night and keep fighting for freedom.